Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property and dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far away, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I get that and get that fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his old elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. The word of God for the people of God. So years ago I read an article that told the story of the last two Jews in the city of Kabul in Afghanistan. 
Afghanistan used to have a, a thriving Jewish population. There used to be thousands of Jewish people living in the city of Kabul. But then after the Second World War, the nation of Israel was founded, and so many of Afghanistan's Jews moved to the, the new nation of Israel. And then there came the, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, and then the rise of the Taliban. And both of those things caused many of the Jews to, to leave Afghanistan. In the city of Kabul, there was a, a Jewish man. His name was Simon Tov. And he, he watched as his neighbors and family members and friends all moved away. And the Jewish population in the city dwindled and dwindled until there was hardly anybody left. The, the Jewish population in the city of Kabul got to be so small that eventually one day this man, Simon Tov, decided he was going to just move into the city's synagogue. He, he moved into the old synagogue there in the city because hardly anybody else was using it anyway. And so he, he set up a little bit of a house and fixed it up and made himself home there in the synagogue. As the, the months and the years went by, his family kept calling him and pleading with him to leave Afghanistan and come and, and live with them in the nation of Israel. And finally, after a few lonely years of living there in the synagogue, finally Simon Tov decided to accept their invitation. And so he packed up and he, he moved to Israel, but he discovered very quickly that it just wasn't the same it just wasn't home for him. It wasn't where he wanted to be. After a couple months of living in Israel, he got to feeling so homesick that he decided he was going to move back. And so he packed up and moved back to Afghanistan, went back to the city of Kabul, went back to his, his synagogue. And that's when he got a, a surprise. He discovered when he returned to the city of Kabul that somebody else had moved into his synagogue. A man named Levi had, had moved into the synagogue while he was gone. And together, these two men, Simon Tov and and Levi, they were the last two Jews remaining in the city of Kabul. And you might expect that these two men would be glad to see each other. You might think that they would, would become good friends. After all, they, they worshipped in a language that none of their neighbors spoke. They practiced a religion that none of their neighbors practiced. Both of these men were under pressure every day from their, their neighbors to convert to Islam and leave their faith behind. And so you might think that these two men would be grateful to have each other. You might think that they would eat together and worship together and, and support each other in this daily struggle to keep the faith. You might think that, that Levi and Simontov would become the very best of friends, but in fact, that's, that's not not what happened. Exactly the opposite happened. These two men took an instant disliking to each other. Immediately they became the bitterest of enemies. Simon Tov was angry to find somebody else living in what he had decided was his synagogue. And, and Levi, as far as he was concerned, Simon Tov gave up any claim to the synagogue the moment he left for, for Israel. As far as he was concerned, it was his synagogue. Now, both of these men claimed this place of worship as their home. Neither was willing to share. Neither was willing to budge. And so what happened was that both Levi and Simon Tov moved into separate wings of the synagogue. They each claimed an end of the synagogue for themselves and then they lived there in that building trying as much as possible to avoid each other. They didn't even worship together. They refused to go into the worship space if the other man was in there and so day after day each man would go into the worship space when, when the other man was away and, and they would read the scriptures to themselves and they would sing their way through the prayers all by themselves. When, when they did speak to each other, Levi and Simon Tov just argued and bickered. They took to spying 
snitching on each other, and they started reporting each other to the police, trying to get each other arrested. Simontov reported Levi for running an illegal business out of his end of the synagogue. Levi reported Simontov for stealing artifacts and selling art objects from, from the synagogue for his own personal gain. It got to the point where it was driving their neighbors and the authorities crazy, these two men and their constant bickering. It got to the point where the authorities finally decided to throw them both in jail, to lock them both up. The Taliban said, let's throw them both in prison and see if that doesn't cool them off a little bit. And so they took these two men, they they dragged them to prison and they put them in cells that were right across the hall from each other. And I'll bet you can guess what happened next. Not only did they not cool down, Simontov and Levi heated up. They started shouting insults and arguing across the hallway to each other constantly, day after day, all day long. It started driving the guards and the prison officials crazy. Finally, the Taliban decided to kick the two men out of prison. Even the Taliban looked at these two guys and said, man, you need to turn it down a notch. You need to, you need to settle down a little bit. And so these two men, they, they left the prison and they went back to their synagogue. They went back to their feuding and their, their disputes and their bickering. And I wish that I could tell you that this story has a happy ending. I wish I could tell you that eventually these, these two men learned to, to be friends and they made peace with each other and they learned to, to care for each other in their, their later years, but that's not what happened. This story doesn't have a happy ending. Simontov and Levi were enemies to the, the bitter end. They died estranged from each other. They died alone, and now the synagogue is empty. Now there are no Jews at all in the, in the city of Kabul. It's a, it's a sad story. It's a, a tragic story. It's a story that has has stayed with me through the years. From time to time, that story comes to mind. I I think of Levi and Simontov there in the synagogue with each other, arguing with each other. I think maybe the reason that story has stayed with me all these years is because I have met so many people in my years in ministry who remind me of Levi and Simontov. This this thing we see happening in this story, this ungraciousness and and hard-heartedness, that attitude doesn't just happen in synagogues, it also, it also happens in churches. Years ago, I was serving a little country church there was this woman in the church, and she was one of those church ladies who, who did everything. She played the piano during worship on Sunday. She made the coffee for the fellowship time after worship. She was also the, the church's membership secretary. For 40 years, this woman had, had served as the membership secretary. She kept the membership book, and every time somebody joined the church, she would write a name in. Every time somebody left, she would cross their name out. For 40 years, she had been the membership secretary. And one day I wanted to do a little bit of research, so I asked her if I could borrow the membership book. And I, I took the membership book into my office, and I was flipping through the pages and, and studying and doing my research. And as I was flipping through the pages of the membership book, I, I discovered something that surprised me. I, I discovered that this woman had never actually, our membership secretary, had never actually become a member of the church. Her name wasn't anywhere in the book. She had never joined the church, and so I was curious. And so when I dropped the membership book back at her house, I asked her, I said, listen, I got a question. I was just wondering, you've been the membership secretary for 40 years. You play the piano and worship on Sunday. You make the coffee. You do everything at the church. Why have you never actually taken the membership vows? Why have you never got around to joining the church? And she looked at me and she said, well, preacher, it's like this. She said, I've lived in this town my whole life. 
She said, and I guess I know pretty much everything about everybody. She said, I know, I know the stories of all the people whose names are written in that book. I know all the things they've ever done, including the stuff that the preacher never found out about. She said, and I guess one day I just sort of looked at that book and I decided that if those people were allowed to join the church, then I didn't want to. I didn't want to be a part of any church that would let people like that become members. That, that ungraciousness, that that." Bitterness, that hard-heartedness, anywhere you find religion, anywhere you find a congregation, you're going to find people who are looking down on each other in that way. You're going to find somebody saying, I'm not going into worship as long as that person is invited as well. That, that attitude has been around for as long as religion has existed. It's exactly that attitude that Jesus had in mind when he told the story of the prodigal son. And so one day Jesus was doing what Jesus loved to do best. He was at a party with a bunch of sinners and tax collectors and there was music and there was a table with a bunch of finger foods and punch and a punch bowl and people were, were laughing and having a good time as Jesus told stories about lost sheep and about mustard seeds and about the, the kingdom of God. They were having a great time there at the party until suddenly the party came to a screeching halt. When a bunch of party crashers walked through the door, a bunch of religious leaders walked through the front door, and suddenly the conversation stopped, the laughter stopped, the music stopped, everything stopped as these religious leaders walked into the room and started glaring and scowling at all of those sinners and tax collectors. And as they looked around the room, suddenly they spotted Jesus. And these religious leaders, they started chewing out Jesus. They started hollering at Jesus, Investigating Jesus for hanging out with all of these sinners and tax collectors. Jesus, you need to elevate your standards, they said. Jesus, you need to be more careful about who you invite to your parties. You need to associate with a, a better class of people. And Jesus listened. And he listened until they finally ran out of steam. And then when the, the religious leaders had finished yelling, Jesus told a story. He said, once there was a, a man, a farmer, who had two sons. He said, and one day the younger son came to him and said, Dad, I am tired of sitting around waiting for you to die. I want you to give me my share of the inheritance now so that I can go off and, and start a life of my own. And the father, who was gracious and, and generous, for some reason said, okay. And so he sold off part of the field and gave the money to the younger son and then watched as the younger son walked away. And after the younger son left, the, the farm became a very sad and lonely place. And day after day, the father would go out and he would sit down on the front porch in his rocking chair and he would look down the road and he would wait. He would watch the road for some sign of his younger son's return. And day after day, the older brother would go out into the field and he would walk behind the plow and he would stew his bitterness and resentment and his anger and hatred towards his younger brother for what the younger brother had done, done to their father. Day after day, they went on the same, hardly talking to each other, looking down the road, plowing the fields. Day after day, month and after month, it went on the same way until suddenly one day the father was looking down the road and he saw a, a figure approaching and he squinted and he looked and he stood up and he took a step closer and then he said, yes, that is my son. My son is returning. He is coming back to me. The younger son was walking down the road. He was shuffling. He looked like a broken and defeated man. He had squandered his inheritance. He had lost and, and wasted everything. And now he was coming home, not because he wanted to come home, but because he had no place else to go. And so he was dragging his feet and hanging his head as he walked along the road. And he was ready for 
anything that was going to happen when he got back home. He was ready for his father to chew him out. He was ready for his father to say, I told you so. He was ready for his father to tear his clothes and treat him like a stranger. The younger son was ready for anything except what actually happened. When the father saw his youngest son walking down the road, he jumped up, hitched up his robes, whipped off the porch, ran down the road, threw his arms around his son and kissed him on the cheeks. And then the father took the younger son in a headlock and started dragging him towards the house. As he was dragging his son toward the house, he realized that his son was was barefoot and wearing ragged clothing. And so he started shouting at the servants. He said, bring my son my finest robe. Bring a ring for his finger. Bring sandals for his feet. Get that side of beef out of the freezer and throw some steaks on the grill. We are going to have a party. And when they got to the house, the servants leapt into action and there was music and there was dancing. They made such a, a window rattling sound that the neighbors came from miles around to see what was happening. Eventually, the whole village was gathered there in the house. They were having a party bigger than any party that town had ever seen, and everyone in town was there. Everyone was there with one exception. After the party had been going for a while, the father looked around, and he realized that there was somebody missing. He realized that his, young, his oldest son was, was nowhere to be seen. And so he looked for his oldest son. He looked all around the house for his oldest son. And then finally he looked out the window and he saw his older son out there in the field walking behind the plow. And so the father runs out of the house. He goes to his oldest son and he says, You are missing the party. Come into the house. Your brother who was gone has returned and we are having a celebration. And the older son couldn't even look at his father. He said, Why should I go into the party? He said, all my life I have slaved for you on this farm. All my life I have done everything you were asked me to do. And you have never thrown a party for me. But now your younger son who has squandered his inheritance doing God only knows what comes back. And you throw steaks on the barbecue and invite all the neighbors around for a party. He said, I will not go into that house as long as my brother is there. Please come in, the father says. I won't, the older brother says. And I wish I could tell you that this story has a happy ending. Well, I can't tell you that because Jesus doesn't give this story a happy ending. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't give this story an ending at all. He leaves everything right at that place. He leaves the father and the older son out in the field arguing with each other. Jesus doesn't tell us if the older son ever actually comes into the house and joins the party. And the reason Jesus doesn't end this story is obvious, right? Jesus is saying the end of the story is up to you. God has invited all of us to a party. In Jesus, God started a party that has lasted for 2,000 years and will go on into eternity. And God has opened the door to every human being. We are free to walk in and join the party. But before you walk through the door, Jesus says, there is one thing that you need to be aware of. There will be some surprises when you go into that room. Jesus says, you are going to see people you did not expect to see. You're going to see sinners and tax collectors. You're going to see your little brother who drives your nuts. Simon Tov, you're going to see Levi. Levi, you're going to see Simon Tov. Jesus says God has invited all of us to a party. God's grace has opened the door. But whether we let go of anger, whether we let go of bitterness and resentment, whether we let go of condemnation and actually walk inside, Jesus says that, that is entirely up to you. Let's pray. God, we pray. We pray that you would give us the wisdom 
to let go of anger, let go of hostility, let go of bitterness and condemnation. God, we pray that you would give us the wisdom to see how much fun the sinners and tax collectors are having and walk through the door that your grace has opened and join the party that's happening inside. In Jesus we pray. Amen.